Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. I'm Bethel Duran, the guy behind the scenes doing a bunch of different stuff. Uh, Before we bring in Ricky and Tolly. Thanks to everybody who's been leaving comments on the Instagram page at Let's Go Ricky Rowe. Uh, those leaving comments on the uh, iTunes and on Spotify and also on my personal page at Bethel Vision. Appreciate it. Last week's episode was really, really good. You can go back and archive them all on uh, YouTube. Just type in my name, Bethel Duran, B-E-T-O-D-U-R-A-N. It's on my page right there. And you can see the show. We are live every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. This week, we're doing it a little bit earlier because we got a nice golf outing later on. Like, we're going to be honest with you. We got to get going. It's beautiful weather in L.A., so we got to go golf. Uh, But last week's episode was really, really good. Go and check it out. And if those of you thinking like, oh, was it scripted? It wasn't. We let it flow off the cuff. Um, so we keep on doing that. Uh, as always, let's bring in Ricky Romero. He is somewhere in Southern California, right, Rick? Same. Same place as always. <laughs> <laughs> and let's go to the East Coast where Josh Tolley last week told us he was on a roof. Tolley, you look clean, bro. You have, you're back in your studio. What's going on here? Well, I just was on a roof. I went home, threw some water on my hair and on my face, and now here I am in the same spot as I was last week, Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> Rick, before, he, before you jumped on, he told me that he wanted to come on the show looking like Farmer Tolly, like hair crazy, a flannel, like ripped up because he literally just came off the roof, but was vetoed and got told that he had to look professional. I don't like that. Oh. I don't like that, that. That that sounds like Catherine. <laughs> wow, you nailed it! <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> uh, Tony, were you was, really on a roof? I was really on a roof. I had a harness on and everything. I almost came don't with worry. the harness just to prove to you guys. Don't worry, JT. I was I was uh I was asking Bethel last week about that KTLA show I'm doing here in LA about the Dodgers. Um, I was asking him, I was like, hey, do I have to wear a tie? Do I have to wear a suit? And he's like, bro, tie, always. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I would show up in a nice dress shirt and jeans, you know? like, yeah. No coat, nothing. Yeah, do that. Nah. Do that. Good. No, no way. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get the update on to- Farmer Tolly. Josh, you were literally on a roof doing what? We're now, so the first time I was on a roof, we were taking the old steel off. Now this time on the roof, we're putting the new steel on. And if you guys give me one second, oh, here we I, go. I have um, something that's very important to show you guys. <laughs> what do we got? Oh, that's he, the new metal that's on. He really has. You, you didn't put that all by yourself, did you? No, no, no. Me and my father-in-law are doing this. I do the heavy lifting. He does the grunt work. Does that make sense? Josh, you played in the show. Come on. Let's pay somebody to do that. I tried. I tried to hire somebody. He said no. So we're going to do it. 
Well, it, I tell you, in all honesty, it's so exciting when it's done. So we have the first side done, and it's like such a accomplishment. I think at the end of the day is what uh, is where the mindset that we're going. Wow, we really. Th- this is what people really do care about. They don't care about the baseball stories. They worry about Farmer Tory and what's going on. Rick, you you got your headphones? I think I hear a little feedback with you. No, I do have my headphones. I didn't wear them last week, and it sounded better. All right, so I don't know what's going on. I think Look, the echo's you, coming from you. Is it coming from me? No, yeah. oh, it can't be coming from me. Oh, man. <laughs> better not be coming from me. Oh, well, we'll figure it out. Oh, you're good now. It, uh, let's see here. All right, here we go. We'll figure it all out. All right, all right let's get going. As we're doing this show, we, every single week we're going to be here for you. Ricky, we're going to go, like I said, talk about the stories of what's going on, the updates on Farmer Tolly. Uh, Ricky, you have an exciting project going on. Tolly, our boy is back as in baseball. He's a T-Wall coach. Yes. <laughs> coach Ricky. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, I, I, we got our first game on Saturday. We had we were two practices in last two Saturdays, and first game with a bunch of uh, five and six year old five. Five-year-olds, I think. I think all of them are five, maybe six. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's stressful. You, the, the most stressful part is making sure somebody doesn't swing a bat while somebody's behind them. You know, that's the most stressful part because these kids just want to swing. Like they drop their gloves and they're like, "We just want to hit. We don't want to play defense," which is understandable. Everyone wants offense, but you know, we we kind of try and rotate them and try to do a little bit of that, run the bases. And it's funny watching them, like just seeing them run the bases, like, Hey, um, okay, run to first base. And they look at you like, where's first base? Uh, obviously now two practices in, they got it down pretty good. But the first day it was pretty funny watching them run the bases. And uh, if another one, if another kid is beating the other kid, then they cut across the field to beat them. You know? so it's, it's, I love it. It's I wish madness. I could run the bases like that. <laughs> yeah, so all right, Ricky, what's the name of your team? The PC the Pacific Coast Highway Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, all right. The PC Blue Jays. PCH Blue Jays, yeah. Yeah. That. Um this year because of COVID, you you um there was no sponsors. Usually in this area it's all about sponsors and and stuff like that. Um I don't really like the whole sponsor thing. I'm more of a when I was growing up, I always had a team. You, you always were a team, and you always went back and looked at the roster of that team, and then I feel like you always imitated a player or the, the best player on that team. If, if if you were the Dodgers when I was growing up, it was like, oh, I want to be like Daryl Strawberry. I want to hit like Eric Davis type thing. And uh, and now you last year, I think they only played two or three games, and they were like this furnish, furnishing company. It was kind of weird. <laughs> Chico's Bail Bonds. Company? Hey, is that how it goes? Chico's Bail Bonds, yeah. yeah. Hey, is that yeah. how it goes? If you're if you're the coach of the team, you get like 20% off at the store or something? <laughs> I didn't get no 20% off anywhere. Uh, but yeah. I was a little disappointed. I was like, man, in this area where we live in, these uniforms are whack. They were whack. <laughs> and, then, and, and I was like so disappointed in the hat. The hats were like not even like like – like this they were like the the strap on with the velcro and i'm like oh yeah this you know like come on come on let's put a little bit more effort into it and you guys are paying a lot of money because that's what happens (laughs) if you live behind the the hills 
like yeah, yeah and i was like man in park lakes we were we were an actual team we got sweet uniforms and then my wife was always like yeah but you guys were like the sheriffs were sponsoring it or someone <laughs> was sponsoring it. and i was like ah yeah that's why huh but yeah. still yeah we're paying good, good money we should get some nice uniforms and we had to go buy socks and i'm like you kidding me you don't get your own socks no man it was just uh, i was I was a little disappointed. You know, Rick, like totally, I keep telling Ricky, you know, since he lives in a gated community uh, with the Hollywood stars, that he has to go back to his roots, <laughs> has to go back to East LA. Because when you play in the in the neighborhood parks, right here, as the mayor of Carson, we get a hat, a jersey, legit jersey, pants, belt, socks, and maybe you might get a fight in the stands. And that's like, that's what grow like, that's how the kids like get a little grit about them. Yeah. Anybody can live behind a concrete wall, Ricky. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know what? I, 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 in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, I my goal is to one day, if Sebastian continues to play, is to take him back to where I grew up and play like two, three seasons there. You know, oh, just God. so that he kind of sees like a bit of a different, like, oh, this is where daddy grew up. This is like, you know, just so he sees a, something a little bit different, you know. Um, and and I just want him to kind of go back and and – and and appreciate what he has you know more than anything and um yeah. not saying that he doesn't but i think it would just it, i think it would be neat my dad wants yeah. to coach him too so oh. i think that would be sweet too wait rick that, uh, that the would field, be fun the field you guys are at is there a grass infield no it's there uh maybe the the older kids that we're on the t-ball side oh, so okay, okay. That's all dirt in the infield. But the, the older there's kids a lot of COVID. There's like all the restrictions are crazy. Like you gotta, all the kids have to wear masks. The coaches have obviously have to wear masks. Um, they 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 expect us to keep the five year olds uh, six feet apart. I'm like, there's no <laughs> chance that's gonna happen. You know, there's just no chance. Like just just stop right there. Totally. What was yeah, your little league like? That. What was my little league like? We yeah. we were sponsored by. The chiropractor, the <laughs> towing company. That's how that's how we were uh, we were sponsored. But we we had a good we had a good little league program. And I say that I with that being said, my father was the one that ran the little league. Right, he was the organizer behind it. So um, I always felt like they did a good job. But I grew up in a small town, so we would have uh, one or two teams at each division, and we would just uh, yeah just play. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing I didn't notice though, Beto and 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 Josh. That it, it's pretty normal for teams to be a certain sponsor, like that. The name of a sponsor. I didn't know that. You know, no, obviously, like I said, I. growing up in the inner city, you were always a, a team. You were always a MLB team. Yeah. And and the more I talk to guys, they're like, oh no, it's pretty normal. It's it's normal to be a, a you know a chiropractor company, a towing company, a bail bond company. I, and I, I honestly did not know that. Neither did I. And what happens now is MLB. So. Because my kids still play at the park, not anymore, but I'm still, you know, at the parks. I'm really involved in Carson. Uh, I used to be a Parks and Rec commissioner, believe it or not. I, I got appointed by the mayor to be a Parks and Rec commissioner. Yeah. I, I did not go to any meetings. I got kicked out after six months. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Shocker. So, Shocker. But they paid me 75 bucks to go to a meeting. I went to two of them, and then they wanted me there all the time. Anyways, because MLB, what they do, you can't have the team names anymore. Yeah, so, that's what I heard. Of licensing. So you could be, say, the Dodgers and you, the uniform companies, they'll give you an L.A. hat, but it'll say, like, Veterans Park or Carson Park on your jersey, and you'll get them in the team colors, but you can't be the official Dodgers because of MLB licensing. 
that's freaking brutal. And that that's I think that's awful, right? Because we wonder why we can't grow the game as a whole. That's a that's a big reason. I mean, I think uh, what Trevor Bauer did the other day was um, kind of attacking Major League Baseball when he had his logo on his belt and on his undershirt, and he shows the letter on the Instagram and the Twitter. And the the thing about it is, is he says this is my brand. It's not just some random company. This is my brand, and he is right. Major League Baseball have sat in meetings where they've talked about. It is good to market yourself. It helps market the industry. So he does that, and he still gets in trouble. And and it's like this is why we're losing steam. To Ricky's point a while ago, he said you were called the Dodgers, and you went at you went to the roster, and oh, I want to hit like Eric Davis. Like that's how kids get involved mm-hmm. and get excited yeah. about the game. Now it's gone, and and they they're they're right in their own bed at this point. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that point. I mean, there was one year where we were the Reds, you know, and we went to Dodger Stadium to go watch the Cincinnati Reds versus the Dodgers because I wanted to see the Reds. You know, I was like, oh, I want to see. I want to see who they have. They had who was there at the time. Maybe Barry Larkin was there at the time. Um, and and you're you're, you're just Chris watching Sable. these guys. Chris, no, uh, he was a little oh, no, my, you're, maybe you're, your time. You're younger. Your time. You're younger. Yeah. yeah, my time. But. But there was guys that you kind of you kind of want to go and, and and watch and 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 see and and you're just like oh this is cool that's that's our team that's our team you know this is who I want to be you know I want to be like right. this guy and it's true it, it it really does bring a little different feel and it, and it stinks that MLB doesn't allow you to to do that I mean it, 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 I think what the Dodgers have done in Bellevue Park one of the parks I grew up in in East LA. Um, they've sponsored the league and now it's called uh, it. They, they redid the field and all that yeah. stuff, but every single team it's called and every division is the Dodgers. Like there's yeah. no, uh, there's no other teams. Yeah. So they do it, 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 the it, outreach pretty good. Yeah. And I, and it, it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting topic because I think it like to JT's point, it's, it's, you got to grow the game somehow, some way, but there's always these like, Oh, we want to grow the game, but behind the scenes, it's like, nah, not really. You know, yeah, it's, it's, for us. like they, they come out and say this, but there's no action, you know, and if yep. you want to continue, especially in the inner cities, you know, where, where there's a lot of good ball players. Everyone always asks me and I'm like, there's great ball players in the inner city, but who the hell is going to go look at them? Who's going to go watch them? Who's going to go? Who's going to be able to afford a perfect game, you know, invitation and, 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 and money like that? Who's going to, um, you know, so these guys. Yeah, they rely on maybe getting, you know, a junior college to look at them and then kind of build themselves up. You know, I see Long Beach State doing some good things with with a lot of with some inner city kids um, uh, as part of their rotation, actually, which is pretty cool to see. Um, but I think it, it has room to grow even more. And and and, it, and I think it does a disservice to to the inner city kids that can't afford those big tournaments. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talent. I always tell scouts, I was like, I, I mean, I wish we were living in in the times when scouts actually went to games and, and, and watched with their own eyes and, and were able to pick out a good player here and there. And I, I feel like it's kind of lost that, you know? Yeah, it's gone. I mean, that that's, there, there's, there's scouts that have so much baseball knowledge that are getting pushed out of the game because it's all going on the computer and you can use uh, recruiting databases. You can u- be using the bat system there. I mean, even pro scouts. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. becoming those those. Um, they're all getting slashed because they're saying we don't need all of you guys. You, we don't need all of you at the ballpark. 
But in fact, I think there's there's something to be learned when you go sit and watch a baseball game. You never know what you're going to see. I mean, yeah. pre-pitch preparation, just different things that that the intangibles that I like to talk about. It's like those are those are the important things that that you can't see sitting behind the computer. And, and I, I'm with you, Ricky. I, I hope one day we go full circle and and there's scouts yeah. out there watching. I I, I know I know 100% you went through it, but when when I was getting recruited or like when I was getting recruited for colleges and then the draft was slowly approaching on any given night at some small town in Illinois, there would be anywhere from 10 colleges there to 15 major league teams. And there, and there, there's beauty in that. I think there's beauty. There's a lot of beauty in that when, when you, when you're able to see that, especially in a small community and, and it, it, it's just taking such a different turn for some reason, obviously with the analytics and, and, and all that stuff and, and, and they're letting go of, of baseball people. But at the same time, I'm like, there's something about going to a game, watching talent. But if the talent is not all there mentally, you're able to pick that out. You know, you're able to say, right. ah, this guy, you know, he, he's, he's a head case. He, he gives mm. up a run. Yeah. He, he, he can go out and punch out 15, but if he gives up a run, he is going crazy on the mound. He's throwing his glove. You know, you're able to see attitude problems, which is important, I think, in baseball and 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 how you handle adversity and all that. And I remember, like I said, when I was coming up, there was, you know, and not to I, I don't like talking about myself or tooting my own horn or anything like that. But there was something to be said that when I was pitching in, in my senior year, you'd have like, you know, 25 uh, teams, you know, with radar guns and and in East LA and that I was always proud of that. I'm like, Holy smokes, this attention is crazy. I didn't even know what to do, what to think. My mom was like a nervous wreck praying and doing all her things <laughs> in, 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 in the, in the stands. But it was, it was something to be said about that. You're like, it, it just motivated me. And, you know, and I remember playing against uh, in a playoff game against uh, Cleveland high school, Bethel here in, in, in San Fernando Valley. And they beat us in the first round. And I remember their, their starting shortstop. I'll never forget their starting shortstop ended up going to university of Nevada. And, you know, there's something to be said, like just seeing stuff like that, where you're like, Oh man, like there's actually a LA city kid who I'm playing against in division one baseball that I played against in high school. And, um, you know, there was, I just wish it, it just grew even more and you saw more of it, you know, because there, like I said, there's a lot of talent in that, in the inner cities. Yeah. In the Mariners, you know, our friend, uh, Gary Patrick guy, I grew up with yeah. was a Mariner scout. We've golfed with him and the Mariners blew out the entire scouting department. I don't know if you heard about that totally. And they're doing a I lot did. of. Uh, anal uh, analytics and they're doing a lot of videos so we're now they're going and just getting the recruiting videos from like perfect game or whatever those showcases are and that's how they're scouting kids because they feel we'll look at the spin rate we'll look at all the other numbers and we can draft them based on that and as far as like everything else we'll figure that out later and it's saving them a bunch of money because you don't have to pay the scouts their salary you don't have to pay them their travel you don't have to pay their insurance or their retirement it, it, it's like like damn is it really becoming a robotic everything yeah it is it, it truly is and i know a lot of people that have lost their jobs because of that kind of uh format i guess that these teams are going to and um the at the end of the day this just becomes the the conversation that the rich get richer right like mm -hmm. they already have money but if they they keep if they keep cutting people they, they keep making more money and they streamline it and say well we can do it easier however 
what's going to happen is they're going to miss out on a lot of good players. Because one thing I, I would I want to mention is I remember when scouts were there to watch me play in high school, and all of a sudden my buddy, they found this left-handed pitcher in Southern Illinois. He went on to junior college. They kept following him. He ends up getting drafted by, uh, by the Marlins. So it's like it gives opportunities to kids yeah. because the scouts are at the fields. Like, oh, if, if for example, Josh Tolley shows up on a, on a perfect game list of he's going to be a top prospect and this and that, well, now we can go cut the video and find his analytics and his metrics, and we'll just follow him that way. But it's, it's way bigger. I mean, I remember scouts sitting down in my house, and that was the coolest part of it all. Yeah, and it's um, no, well, Ricky, I, people, the perfect example. People always ask oh. me. Sorry, Beto, sorry no, to cut ahead, you off, but people always ask me, "Would you have a chance in today's game?" Probably not. I probably would have not been found in today's game um, with all the the stuff that's gone on and 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 the way that scouts don't show up to 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 uh, high school games. Who the hell was going to step foot in in at Roosevelt High School? You know, playing in Evergreen Park in a in a local park that was it. The school didn't even have its own field, so. Nobody was gonna go and really step foot there. I feel like so, it, it, it for sure would have been different. But you know, hopefully, like 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 Josh said, hopefully it comes full circle at one point, and and we get back to to the roots of baseball and and to the to the beauty of it of of being able to scout a player and not necessarily go off of oh he's got a high spin rate. Well, a high spin rate doesn't mean anything. You know, you know, are you able to get outs? Yes or no? Do you have the heart? Do you have the the grit to go out there and 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 and, mm. and show me that you can you can battle it out for for you know as a starter for seven eight innings you know obviously we don't see that nowadays but that there's beauty to that you know and Josh being a catcher I mean when he's carrying a guy into the seventh to the eighth to a complete game man those, those catchers just feed off of that and they're putting down numbers and they know that everything you put down it don't matter the situation you're going to get an out or you're going to get a swing and miss or something. Something yeah. good's going to happen. <clears throat> One of the best stories out there about scouts showing up is how they discover Fernando Valenzuela, right? Mike Brito is in Mexico to watch this one kid that everybody's talking about, and he sees this lefty from that nobody's ever heard of, and it turns out to be Fernando. Uh, the kid that do the Dodgers have right now, uh, that lefty, Victor, um, I believe it's Alvarez, is that his name? Uh, uh, Victor Gonzalez. Victor Gonzalez. Yeah. Who, Mike, another one was at, at this showcase, everybody went to go look at somebody else, and he's the kid that stood out. It's, it, it's I, I know it's an interesting topic, and I, we're not trying to sound like the old men here, but it's very interesting, because Ricky, you say you wouldn't have been discovered in today's game, and the reason we keep saying perfect game, for those who don't know, it's a big showcase that goes on uh, all over the United States, costs about five, six hundred bucks to go, and it's, it's the elite athletes, not always, it's usually the parents have money to send their kid there, um, they're all over the place. It's just the modern travel ball world of it. Josh, do you think you would have been discovered in today's game? Because you say you're from a small town. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I, I think I would have at least put myself on the radar because I was the kid that was like, I was finding any pro camps to go to. Right. So anytime okay. they had a showcase, I was. I mean, I my graduation, I graduated. Let's call it on a Friday night after graduation at the gym was over with we got in the car my parents drove me to memphis for a tryout with the cardinals so i i was i was engaged now i don't think i would have played in the big leagues in today's game with the plus velo that i mean 
they, these guys are so much bigger, stronger, faster than, than I believe we ever were. Um, really? And I say we, but like, I, I feel like I'm talking like I'm a hundred, but it's like, I, I feel like the, this is flip-flopped in about the last five years. And I, I truly don't believe I would have played in the big leagues or if I would, it would have not been for very long. Come on. Really? You don't think you would have played? No. Really? No, every I, I mean I, I lived off of sinker slider guys and and there was they were a dime a dozen back uh, in the 2010 11 12 and now it's 97 99 103 like I just can't I had a slow bat that's just how it was but the, with the training that goes on now like you see the kids that you work with now it's they're getting exposed to so many different things at a young age maybe that would have been you. Right, and maybe, and that, that could be. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking on on the transition of the game yeah. versus my how I how I prepared. That's I interesting. Think, more, That's interesting. More than anything, but um, I, I definitely, um, I think I would have possibly had a chance because I was fortunate enough that my parents were driving me all over the creation to uh, to to go to these camps, and and that's how I got saw. That's how the Mets first got on to me was I went to a camp at a university and there wasn't many players there and I, I actually had a good tryout and then it kind of put me on the map and it went from there. It's crazy how it's all evolved, huh, Rick? I, I think Josh would would know better because he's fresh off the game. So he's kind of seen it. You know, I'm I'm off, I've been off the game for about, I don't know, four or five years now. And and I it it's taking from I Everyone I've talked to, older guys, it's taking a huge shift the other way, like in just in the past four or five years. Like I said, my last year, we weren't still using analytics or any of that. There was no spin rate. Nobody had even heard of that. Um, so, I mean, I think Josh being, you know, when he from when he came in till when he finished last season, I think the the the, the shift has been crazy. And, and, and you know, and. It's it's just when when I was going to that facility in in Tustin and learning about body movement and, and analytics and stuff like that. It's crazy that kids nowadays all they know is spin rate and hey, what's my spin rate or what was my uh you know how much did my ball move there or you know it's not necessarily hey uh did you did you see my my shoulder drop or my elbow did it drop a little? it's where's my spin rate at you know it's no it's no longer mechanics it's it's numbers now which is it's crazy to see like they throw a pitch and they go to they go straight to the ipad and just to see like what it did what the fastball did and i'm like what happened to the feel what happened to the to the feel in, in the game because a lot of it when you're pitching it, it's feel like you know you can throw a good fastball and it could still get waffled out of the ballpark it, it don't matter you know yeah, and it used to be feel, Ricky. I mean, that's that's what it was, and now it's it's not feel. I mean, you could throw five balls to the backstop, but as you said, if the iPad checks out, what, what does it matter to us? Really? I mean, I, I, oh <laughs> man, I, I had a kid last year. I had a kid last year at the alternate site in Scranton, uh, just a really good breaking ball, uh, outstanding, and he's trying to spin this thing even more, and he he'll bounce it in the grass. Well, boy, that was a good one. That was. 3,000 RPMs or whatever it was. And it's like, <laughs> how, was it, how was it blocking 3,000 RPMs? <laughs> out of the way. I don't, I don't block that. No, if you can't throw it, if, if you can't land it in the dirt circle, I'm out. You Actually, you go chase it because these games don't count. I'm not getting it. 
You know, it's interesting. All right, totally. Because the way you came up and you were playing last year, uh, you were in with an organization, and Ricky brings something up about the iPad. I see that now where I said, my kid doesn't play baseball, but he plays basketball. And right away, everybody is, show me my highlight. Did you get that video? Did you get this? And it's not about, let me learn from it. It's about posting your highlights. And it's yeah. really interesting because... I see this when I go to my son. So my son's a decent basketball player. And I'll, I'll text Ricky, you know, some video clips of him. And I'll like, Ricky's last good one. And I was like, hey, but look at him right here getting his ass kicked by this guy right here. Oh, this guy's 6'8", who's going to LMU or Pepperdine, whatever. So that's what he's going up against. Then I'll see some guys that everybody raves about. And he, they're on the circuit. And I'm oh, cool. I get to see this kid. I look at him and I see the game. I'm like, eh. And I'm not a basketball scout guru or anything like that. I'm just like, eh. Then I'll see... Right. His highlights from that same game posted on these big major sites. And it's like, oh, he did this, he did this. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That guy was three for 15 shooting, but those three look great. It kind of sounds like what the pitchers were. As long as the spin and the numbers look great, forget the result, right? Yeah, right. No, that that's exactly what it is, Beto. I mean, I, I, I know I actually just had a couple kids go to a – to a showcase thing over the weekend and the first thing that the parents send me because i'd like to stay engaged with my kids is that is instantly coming off of the track man and i'm like yeah but like how did it really look can i have some video feedback because that's what will tell the truth yeah no yeah and it's it's true i mean i, I we we touched on it a little bit last week where i said i i have friends who are in organizations and um they've seen kids throw bullpens and they're they're going well or something and somebody comes and changes them and says hey the spin rate's not where it's supposed to be and they'll throw a fastball to the backstop and they're like that's it that's the one <laughs> like, what what yeah. like yeah that's the one that's the one that had the perfect spin rate but it's nowhere near the zone you know and again we we, we can sit here and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's all day and 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 stuff like that but you know uh, again, you hear the benefits of it too. You know, I, yeah, I've spoken to a guy like like Brandon Morrow, who's really smart, who knows he, who can use technology and, and apply it. You know, you look at Trevor Bauer, what he's able to do with technology. There's certain guys that can that can use it and be like, okay, I, I can do that. I, I can I can maybe change the grip in my hands or uh, change you know and see you see it in slow motion. You see certain breaking balls. What if I move my fingers maybe half an inch and stuff? That's all. I'm all for that. You know, that that's that's really cool that you're able to do that and be able to apply it. Um, it's when you start, I think, changing the game, trying to manipulate the game and 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 it doesn't work out. So there's 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 benefits to that stuff, but I also think there's a lot of downfalls yeah. because certain guys don't don't have that the the you know, baseball is hard itself already. Sixty feet, six inches, being on that mound. Being in that batter's box, it's hard now to be able to be like, oh, is my RPM going to be there? Is my spin rate going to be there? Is this going to break the way I want it to? Yeah. I mean, you know, can you imagine? I mean, Josh, you you came up with like, you know, uh, uh, Johan Santana. Like, you know, I don't know. Was Pedro there when you were there? My very first spring training, he was. What? So you you were seeing these guys, you know, you were seeing Pedro Martinez, you were seeing Johan Santana, you you got to see, you know, perhaps the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob Degrom, as a young pup, I'm sure. Uh, you saw Matt Harvey when he was at the yeah. top, you know, and he was nasty. 
and and he was really good. You saw all these guys, and and can you imagine if you came up to these guys, especially the older guys, and said, "Hey, uh, that that spin rate isn't where it's supposed to be." Yeah. <laughs> a Pedro well, Martinez. You know? it, it's it's funny because one of my first minor league camps, that's we they would you know how they would send guys over to go. Uh, yeah. hit off of like the the big guys and my first camp ever was pedro was in camp with the mets and on and on the major league side tom glavin was on that staff and yeah. i was going over a lot to to get at bats off of them and tom glavin sticks out because that was my first my first real like interaction on like with a big with a major league player and he's throwing a live he's throwing a sim game on the field to us and I, I, I think back to when that happened and how it was just command the baseball, command the baseball, spin the ball, front to back, speed guys up, slow them down. And he didn't throw hard, but that's a perfect example. Tom Glavin was not I, – I, I don't know what the spin rate was, but I can assure you that that would check the box as a low spin rate, right? Like it was just a nice and easy little sinker. And, and – and, this is a Hall of Famer we're talking about. So my point being is those guys that did that stuff, it worked. It's worked. Yeah. I yeah, and, like, and, and we got to see a guy like that in Toronto, Mark Burley, you know, who's another perfect example. Can you imagine coming up to him and saying, hey, your spin rate's not where it's supposed to be? No, you left the guy alone. He, he can pitch. He can go out there. He can carve. And I'm telling you, Beto, when you watch this guy throw bullpens, oh, my God. <laughs> it was like. 10, 15 pitches, he'd hit every spot. All right, I'm done. Maybe at like 75, 80 miles per hour. Maybe. Literally. That's maybe. It. Just That's top, it. And top, then he'd top. go to a game and maybe top out at 85, 86. Hey, there there was times he would get on the mound and throw five pitches and say, okay, that's good. <laughs> I mean, you wish you yeah. had that, Ricky? Believe me. I, oh, my I wish God. And, and, yeah, there's something to it. There's you can't teach that kind of stuff. It's like no. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna I, and I'm gonna give you everything I got with 83, 84. And when you talk to hitters who face them, they're like, dude, he's so tough. He's so tough because he'll he'll be cutting you, cutting you, cutting you, cutting you, cutting you, sinking you, sinking you, and then he'll throw that four seam fastball that you think you can get, and then it looks like it's 95. You don't yep. hear that uh, nowadays. You don't hear uh, that about that about hitters saying like, man, like you know he he's 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 throwing. 82, 83 with that cutter, and then he's blowing 87 by me. And then next thing you know, we're in the eighth inning facing Mark Burley in the Chicago White Sox, and we're, like, getting shut out, and we're sitting there like, what is going on? What is going on? And, but only, I, and with Burley, it's only an hour and a half game, too. We loved him. Every, every time. time. Oh, every we, time. As a reporter yeah. covering the Angels, when he would be pitching, we're like, all yeah. right, guys, we're out of here early tonight, bro. We're home yeah. by 10 because the Angels have always took four hours. Ever. Yeah. yeah, best getaway day ever. I, I, I mean, he was he was absolutely fascinating to watch, and I used to say guys like that. It was the most comfortable O for four you'll ever have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I came up, I came up uh, when Jamie Moyer was with the Phillies too. He was another one that you were like, "Oh shit, we're in the sixth inning and we're getting shut out." But and the guy you know. that looks like somebody's dad. Like, and I remember, and I remember, I'll never forget this because uh, Scott Richmond actually was a guy that went up against him in Philadelphia. I had Cole Hamels as my de- my my hitting debut. He gets uh, Jamie Moyer, and he thinks he's like, dude, I'm gonna get a base hit. I'm gonna do this. 
<laughs> he didn't even touch him. I don't think. I think he went over, and, he, and we were like, "Wait, wait, what? You were gonna what?" He was so like <laughs> happy he drew Jamie Moore, and in the end, it just he didn't touch him. It's comfortable. Hey, so I hey, stop me if I told you guys this. No, go ahead. We're in Colorado. We're in Colorado. Jamie Moyer's pitching for the Rockies. Ricky, I had to. Say, I know exactly what Scott Richmond's saying because I went to bed grinning ear to ear. I'm saying yes, I got Jamie Moyer tomorrow. Perfect, right to my path speed. This is how this is how you climb out of some slumps, right? You get Jamie Moyer, comfortable AB, going to square some balls up. So first at bat punch out. Oh man, how did I strike out off of this guy? Second at bat punch out. And I never. This was when I was younger, and I hardly ever. I, I very rarely struck out. So R.A. Dickey used to bunt with a 37-inch bat. So I take that thing up there, first pitch cutter, <laughs> into the seats in Colorado. Hey, I'm gonna find that. I'm gonna find this clip. I I know it's somewhere. I actually was just bragging about myself the other day to somebody, and they found that clip of Jamie Moyer. So uh, when I get it, we we have to make sure that uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll have it for one of the next shows. Yeah, um, Ricky, what year were you born? Eighty-four. Um, <laughs> Jamie Moyer made his major league debut in 1986. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Hey, hey, you guys want to hear a fun stat? When I hit the homer off of him, the announcers made a point to say he has given up. He gave up ten homers in the major leagues before I was born. <laughs> and I faced him and hit a homer off him. How great is that? <laughs> he pitched till he was 49. Exactly. He was Dude, it was insane. and you you and he he would compete his ass off too. Every oh time you watch him, he was like he was like screaming like ball 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 ball. If there was like anything near him, he was like running, he was like running stuff out. If there was a pop up to first baseman, he's like on a dead sprint. Like, dude, just it, it, just stuff that like like now talking about this bring me back to like you know watching him, watching Cliff Lee, watching uh, Cole Hamels. You know, watching guys like that 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 went out to Josh Beckett in, in Boston, CC Sabathia in New York, like all those guys that just you know, Doc Halliday obviously with us. And you you were just seeing you would you would sit back and watch these guys and you're like, Man, like complete games after complete games, you you look up and there are hundred and twenty pitches in and there's not even any movement in the bullpen. Like yeah. no not even no, a thought. No. <laughs> Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, you you're not taking those guys out. You you were you weren't you weren't. Hey hey, let's let, let's have this for a thought. Let's go back to the Philadelphia Phillies days of 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 that of that group. How I mean, I was playing against them at the time, but holy crap, were they like a fun team to to watch? Right? Yeah. I mean. You, you, when you went in to go play him, you, you felt as if your back was up against a wall. I mean, Scott Rowland, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Victor Reno, the list goes on. You already mentioned the pitching staff, Brad Lidge on the back end of the bullpen. I mean, it was just like you know, the team yeah. all stars. Well, how about this yeah. one? Uh, Dodger fans right now, I'm going to get you guys upset. Matt Stairs. Matt oh, <laughs> yes, my favorite. Where's Jonathan Broxton at right now? Oh, I'm still looking for that ball. Uh, <laughs> no, and then you get you had another guy on that team, Raul Ibanez, who was yeah, just the nicest human being ever. Oh, I and, forgot and, that guy. He, oh, yeah, right. like he, he was with the Angels for a little bit. You're right, really hey, nice guy. Hey, a funny story behind that, Josh. Uh, it was my rookie year. We were in Philly, 
and um jimmy rollins leads off and he leads off with the single fastball it, it was three pitches in chase utley comes up hits a double second and third cedo gaston i i told cedo this story i was like you remember when when this happened cedo walks out out of the out of the dugout three pitches in and i'm like oh my god what did, what happened he walks in he walks up to me and he goes if you don't throw your fucking breaking ball, you're out of this game. Just like that. And walks away. Three pitches in, in Philly, packed stadium. And I'm like, uh, okay. Even uh, uh, Rod Barajas was catching that night. And he looks at me and he goes, he's like trying not to laugh. You know, you guys, have, yeah. he had the mask on. So he's trying not to laugh. And he like walks away. And Cedo just walks away, doesn't say anything else. Just <laughs> walks away. And I'm sitting there like, I like. I remember. I pull up my hat and I was like, "Okay, here we go." You know, and I'm like, three pitches in." So then, yeah. when I told him the story, uh, we were doing fantasy camp with Robbie Alomar, and he goes, "Did it work?" And I was like, "Actually, it did." I mean, I ended up going like seven innings, I think seven or eight innings, punched out like ten or twelve, and he's like, "You're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, there's something about that. There, there's something to be said about the old school, like tough love. Yeah. Hey, you don't be in a fastball groove with these guys; they'll kill you, and it's true. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 and, and look at, at the time when I was younger, I I was looking at that like, damn, is he getting on me? Like, why is he being tough on me? But now, when I had a time to sit back and 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 analyze it, I was like, this was all done on purpose. It was like, yeah, yeah. you're right. Don't get fastball happy with these guys because you'll be out of this game soon. Yeah. And and I remember. Uh, the funniest, the funniest part about that, we were facing Cole Hamels that night, and we ended up getting it, uh, getting to him. And I think it was my third at bat, and I looked back to see if he was going to pinch hit for me because I was like, it was my first three career at bats were like uh, second and third bases loaded, bases loaded, oh, oh for three, oh. three punches. Yeah, yeah. So the third at bat, I look back, and I'm like, um, is he going to? And I was dealing, and he looks at me and goes, just fucking go. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, hey, hey, but hey, that, that's interesting. That brings up another great point. That's Think our pro- hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, got, I got to write this down. That's our promo right there. Uh, the promo for the show is just fucking go. Forty-one minutes in. <laughs> hey, the, the the funny thing is, is in today's game, that's not even the conversation. You don't yeah. even get to put your helmet on. Yeah, you're yeah. hooked. You're hooked. I was, you're dealing. Yeah, no, you're I, was, I was. I was. I was I'm sitting there and I'm I'm going through my pregame routine and I'm or through my batting routine. I'm like, that was nice. like yeah. he better not he you know first fastball he throws me I'm swinging I don't care and he throws a fastball away and Chooch is catching um Carlos Reese and the fastball was so away that I'm like and and the umpire I look back and the umpire calls it a strike and I'm like oh my god that's what an outside corner looks like like there's I have no chance. <laughs> And then obviously Cole Hamels is like, I'm not gonna give up a base hit to this guy. So it, he like started going curveball, change up, and pff, no chance. No, I wish I had highlights of those first career uh, three at bats. I'm, I'm gonna try and get them. Oh, see if I can they're somewhere. They're, uh, somewhere. The, uh, um, our our oh, researcher, dude, the Anthony of Orange County, will find it. He are a crack staff researcher. He'll be he'll be there for you. Oh, but nice. that the, 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 that was like the, a funny rookie story that I was like. Why? Why is the the manager being tough on me? But then, 
by the end of the season, he was like, man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of And he hated, like, not in a bad way, but, like, you know, managers don't like pitchers, you know, especially hitting guys. And and he was like, dude, you, you went out there and you, you you showed me a lot. Even when I was struggling in 13, he came up to me. He, like, pulled me aside one day and he was like, if it's one guy that can get out, get out of this, is you. And I thought mm-hmm. I always thought that was pretty cool. That was coming from a from a manager who's a legend in Toronto, back to back World yep. Series titles, and you know had unbelievable teams there. And and just listening to him and the stories that he has when we're in fantasy camp in that clubhouse, it's like it's him, Lloyd Mosby, Robbie Alomar. Can you imagine? I mean, you're listening to these old like Cito Gasson is telling Hank Aaron stories, and wow. and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Like this, like Hank Aaron, like yeah, yeah, we were roommates, yada yada yada, and you're just like. You know, you know, you know that, Josh, when you get around those older guys, you're almost like, keep your mouth quiet. And you're just like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Tell me more. Tell me more. I, you, you're right, Ricky. You don't say a word. You just let them go and you take it all in. Those are those are some of my favorite days of playing for guys that have played with those type of players is listening to what they did and some of the routines and all, it, it, they, and they, they tend to just uh, indulge everything, which is uh, which is awesome, because as I've alluded to you know, in previous podcasts is this is what's important to, to grow the game and to pass along the generational stuff that will never change no matter what. And I will stand hard, pat, hard lined on that. That stuff will not change, but some people. No, think and, it will. and I'll tell you what, old school guys love telling stories, man. Oh, they love do they it. Ever. <laughs> Give them a couple it, cold beers or doers and uh, it's like just sprinkling the bird seed to them. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, it, it went, went, and when I've been around like those guys, like when they talk about the nine, the the, the World Series teams, the ninety four, ninety five teams in Toronto, and or ninety two, ninety three. Oh, I might have, I might be in trouble right there. Um, but they're they're back to back World Series teams, and when you get Dwayne Ward, you know Robbie Alomar, um, you get uh, you know I don't think George Bell was part of those teams, but you get all those guys in in one clubhouse, and it's just story after story after story after story, and and. And you're just like, man. The, the the one thing I wish I would have uh, I would have done a little bit different when I was with the this is when I was with the Giants after I got released. You you would see Willie Mays in the clubhouse every day, and I wish I would have sat down and actually had a conversation. Yeah, every day, every day in the clubhouse, every wow. day, every day he'd be sitting on his ta- on a little round table right there, and um, I wish I would have sat down and actually had a conversation with him. But I was always so like what am I going to say to him? Like, or like, it was just like in awe. And I remember uh, Brandon Crawford was actually my uh, locker mate that year. It was like Crawford and then another kid and then me. And I remember the first time I walked in from BP, I was like running in and you come into the clubhouse, you're, you're, you know, you're taking off your jersey, getting into your gym clothes. And I look and I was like, oh my God, that's, that's Willie Mays. That's Willie Mays. Wow. And Crawford is like, like, he's like, kind of goes like this to my face and he's like hey dude he's here every day and i'm like what he's like yeah he's here every day don't don't, don't like I, I know you're in awe and everything but go and talk to him and i was like nah i'll, I'll leave him alone but and actually got in a jersey signed by him i just i just you know i i was happy with the picture and i have a picture of me and him okay and cool. but but other than that i mean you know i think even here like Sergio Romo is the one that kind of did the introduction between me and him and, you know, just hearing like that he could barely like he was 
almost blind and stuff. I was like, I don't want to go ask him for an autograph or bug him like that. Like, I'm sure he gets asked enough. And, you know, and then the Giants had a dinner and then you, you get like Gaylord Perry to go in there and he's talking. He like talked to me like it was like I was fam like I'd been with the Giants for 10 years. And, um, you know, you get Orlando Cepeda. Like, dude, it was just crazy when you're when you're around like greatness like that, that you're just like, man, this this is cool. Hey, you guys want to hear this? This is yes. interesting. Uh, real, 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 uh, totally. These are the stories that I love hearing. These are the stories that the audience loves hearing. Like, if you, you can go and get X's and O's, analytics, baseball talk, any other podcast, but this is a podcast for you, the fans, that could just sit back and be, wow, I love hearing stories. So, totally. If you don't ever say, do you guys want to hear a story? Because the answer is always yes. Tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just tell them, baby. Just tell them. So to, to Ricky's point, and, and this is interesting, and I, I used to do this to like some of the younger guys that had some baseball IQ. And when you bring up old names like that, Ricky, you could ask the, a lot of kids in today's game, good players that are young players playing in the major leagues, who some of these guys are. Obviously, everybody would know who Willie Mays is. But you, you bring up Orlando Cepeda, it, I mean – are you the, are the, that, that's just one name that you brought up, but like, there's a lot of people that would have no idea yeah. what, who he was as a player. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean. It's like these kids are so far detached to what really is the history of the pastime and they don't care to know, but yeah. that's, that's the roots that have been planted for, these guys now in the big leagues and and it's just there's so much knowledge there and there's a lot of people that that do not want to sit around and have a beer and talk about uh you know the 80s or the 70s or whatever well you guys are just grumpy old men it's not the case with uh with everybody i i would assure you of that but in today's game it is like that this is this is it i found it where is it at let me get you a solo one rick oh not that one that's you you're looking good. Oh, wow. you got it. Yeah. That's oh, freaking that's awesome. Cool. So he would just sit there? He the That table right there. He would sit, he would sit there every day. Every, I'm telling you, every when, when they're like, he's here every day, I was like, come on. Every single day. And he's talking. He's obviously pulling aside, like, the Buster Posies, you know, the, the Angel Pagans. They would sit there, and they would just, they would just shoot the, the shit with him. And, and, and he'd be chilling, talking to him. And he was there just, you know, I'm sure, you know, it gets to a point where you you want to be around the game no matter what, and you're going to live and die by it. And and he just, the San Francisco Giants are just uh, near and dear to him, obviously. And uh, they, they, they did obviously do a good job of taking care of him. Yeah, uh, the Dodgers had that with Don Newcomb, the late Don Newcomb, were yeah. at yeah. Dodger Stadium. Yeah. I never talked to him. Uh, just in passing, hello, Mr. Newcomb, how you doing? Was always... Dressed to the nines, always in a suit, he and his wife, and they would sit. He'd get there right about 5 o'clock when the Dodgers are taking BP, and he would sit behind the on-deck circle, just sit there watching, and you would see the younger minority players go and talk to him. Like, I remember Matt Kemp would go and talk to him every single day. D. Gordon would go and talk to him every single day. And I asked Matt Kemp about this one time. I was like, hey, Matt, that's pretty cool you go and do that. He said, I didn't know because Matt wasn't the biggest baseball fan. He was a basketball player in Oklahoma. He'd rather be in the NBA. He's like, they told me that I needed to sit next to that man to get some knowledge. So now every day I go and get some knowledge. And I, that was 
the passing on of what you got to do. And I remember him telling yep. other players, you have to do that. And now you see, you would see a lot of Dodger players start doing that. Then they didn't realize that, hey, that was Jackie Robinson's teammate. Like, right. he's the one who had to go through a lot of stuff. And you would hear some of the stories that the players tell about Don Newcomb. And, like, he never did interviews. He just sat there and kind of, hey, if you want to come talk to me, I'll give you some knowledge. But I'm not going to go out of my way to give it. Does that make sense? Kind of? Yeah. Like, like, all the organizations, I think that's why the elite organizations are elite, because they do that, where other ones kind of, eh, shoo people away. Well, I mean, exactly. Look, I mean, what I, I've I have uh, heard that like Pat Hankin, Pat Hankin was so vital when I was in Toronto, and and Ricky, I mean, you can speak to this, but just being around, and I know he was he was the bullpen coach at one time, right? Ricky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, he was there for a year, but but I felt like he was when he served as the role of like the alumni that would come in and watch the game and be around. He was around a lot. But one thing that Pat brought was when we would go in to sit in pitcher catchers meetings, Pat would be involved in, or just sit there and listen and guys would pick his brain. And, and, and there's something that always stood out to me is well, this was what he said when he was the bullpen coach one time. Um, the comment was brought up, well, what is the best spot to go? And Pat Henkin didn't miss a beat by m- meaning that is like, if we're in a pinch, where, what pitch do we throw and where? Pat Hankin didn't miss a beat and said the best pitch in baseball is a fastball down and away. And, ex- <laughs> and executed fastball down and away. And there's no truer statement, and it's so simplistic, but I still live by that. I've lived by that. I tell my kids that. I say, hey, when you're stuck behind the plate, the best pitch in the game, you don't know where to go, fastball down and away, execute. Now, if it's not execute, it doesn't matter. But but the, the fact of the matter is it buys you a little bit of time in and having knowledge of Pat, and I know that his role has been trimmed a little bit I, from my understanding, but, but when you start uh, weeding players out like that, it's, uh, it's a detriment to the organization and definitely a detriment uh, to the game. Yeah, was He's another guy. Oh, was another guy, uh, Pat Henkin, who, I mean, I learned a lot, a lot from him. And we've actually spoken a few times, and he's actually a guy that wants to come on the podcast. Oh, and, man, do he it. would be freaking yes. Do it. Classic. He would be a classic because he has so many stories about, you know, just everything about those teams that were that were World Series teams about being teammates. You know, with or like he talks about Robbie Alomar, like he he's like the greatest second baseman that's ever gonna live. Like no, you know, and, and it's and I mentioned Robbie because he's a good friend, and it, it, and that's another thing when you when when you become close to these guys and they're like, man, you, I'm I can you know text Robbie right now and and and. We're, we're that cool and and you know they're just normal human beings and yeah. they just want to be treated as normal human beings obviously we see them as hall of famers and all that but he's like when he when you hear stories about like you know the dome being sold out every for for 80 plus games plus the playoffs like he's like we were sold out every game every home game was sold out you couldn't walk the streets you couldn't do any of that and josh got a little bit of a taste of it when they were in the playoffs um um in Toronto when, when all that stuff was going on with the bat flip and, 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 and all that good stuff. But um, you hear about the, the way, you know, can you imagine telling a Robbie that he has to go set up in, in middle right field <laughs> because of a shit? <laughs> they say he, he, Pat Hankins, like he would cover all that. Like he would literally cover all that from his second base position. Like you didn't have to worry about where he was set up or anything like that. He was a magician, you know, with, with, 
with the way he his footwork, his like glove work and, and stuff like that. And then you get a Devon White in center field who yeah. would just anything being hit out in center. He's like he was catching it no matter what. Oh, and it was like you're just like I mean, you know, you got Tony Fernandez at short. You know, you got um, Pat uh, Pat Borders behind the plate. You had uh, Ka- uh, Kelly Gruber at third base. You know, it was just you hear all these stories. that was like some of these guys were like misfits in this team. But it was like when it came to playing, it was like. We were all a, a, a really close family. That's, that's yeah. cool. That's uh, <clears throat> the organizations that do it right, do it right. And you love hearing yeah. the stories. And look, I'm just sitting here. I'm writing all these notes. I'm like, damn, I got all kinds of good promos. But I think the promo today <laughs> is going to be just fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, oh, man. I'm going to put that up on the Instagram at Let's Go Ricky Roll. You can hear the promo. Uh, go check that out. Uh, we're going to wrap this up right now. Uh, every Tuesday, we're going to have uh, a show. 10 o'clock, live yeah. on YouTube. Um, when people are asking, hey, you guys don't have guests, you're going to have guests. We're going to get the guests. But first things, I was telling the guys, we need to develop our chemistry, which way we want to go. And every single week, totally, I know it's like, it's flowing now, bro. I just wish yeah. you had service so we can text you instead of every three days. <laughs> you have to text me. Hey, if I, hey sometimes my uh, satellite Wi-Fi works, so just text me. It'll sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Because, uh, oh, oh, we have an update. That coach you guys had in Buffalo, what was his name? The manager? Marty Brown. Downtown Marty Brown. We found him, Tully. Oh, no. I talked to him on the phone. Oh, did you? Yeah. Wait, I didn't. No. Oh, I only I, I called Ricky to tell him how excited I was. I, I'm sorry, Beto. I should have put that in the text. No, I called them. Yes. We're best buddies. <laughs> yeah, we're ready to go. Whenever whenever we want downtown Marty Brown, we, we just have to, uh, we have to call his wife yeah. because she has to set it up. Yeah, because so I don't know. I found him on Instagram. He is running his own baseball academy back in uh, his hometown in Missouri or Missouri. Uh, I didn't know this after Googling that he's a big deal in Japan. Huge, huge. His Instagram, he writes captions or whoever does the account. I'm pretty sure it's not him. The captions are in, in English and in Japanese. And Yeah, his wife is from Japan. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And... He is like a big deal, and you see comments on his Instagram, people writing in Japanese. I'm like, who is this international man of mystery? So we need yeah. him, and he's another yeah. guy. I found a story about how the he said, I no longer belong in baseball, so I'm just going to teach kids how to play baseball the right way. I'm like, oh, this is salty right here. We need him on the show. We need we've that kind of guy. For, we've talked for an hour and a half, so he's fired up. He wants on the show. Hey, one last thing before we go, though. Yes. I have a bone to pick with you guys. You're all out oh. golf and have a good time, but you guys have this golf ball that says Beto Vision on it, and you can put the cigar on it. And I still don't have one. Well, it's almost golf season here once I get this oh. done. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's from our good friend over at uh, Stogies and Boogies. Uh, never met the dude, but it's a great idea. And what you do is you put your uh, – he cuts over, open a golf ball for you, and he it has like a little uh, wire, metal wire or something like that, where you stick the end of your cigar in there. That way you don't have to throw the cigar on the ground. Beautiful wow. idea. I have a Bethel Vision ball. It's a neon. We have a Let's Go Ricky Row ball. Uh, so we're going to have to get a Josh Tolley one. Uh, we we got to create a new logo for the podcast. So once we have the new logo for the podcast, we'll get you out there. So it's a fantastic. But we do well, I do we do have an extra. I do have an extra stogies and bogies with the with the with the label on it. There you go. That's uh, what I'm maybe. talking about. There you yeah. go. There you go. It's a beautiful idea. We'll take care. Yeah, of you. I, it, it's 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 funny because I've had a few. I uh, um, 
do you know Danny Dorn Tolly? He was with the Dodgers manager. Yeah. So he 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 asked me for one. Drew Hutchinson asked me for one. Everyone's like, dude, I gotta get get me one of those. Get me one of those. Those are sick. And since we've become uh cigar smokers lately, yeah. you know, we, we just so guys, use them all the time. Listen, this is our next business model. Let's get a business plan going because I could probably sell them at the local country club that I'm uh, that I'm at. And I mean country club, gorgeous country club. When you guys come up here, you guys can play at my country club. Hey, now hey. we're talking. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it the only golf course in town also? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tully, um, I know that you like to imbibe in a little uh, adult beverage. Sometimes. After you've, uh, you know, cleared the 8,000 yard acres or whatever you got and the horses and all, all that other stuff. Um, <laughs> text Ricky your address because we got gifts, bro. Ooh. Rod and Hammer uh, Bourbon. Uh, we I have a sponsor, you know, my own brand. Yeah, I got a sponsor. Uh, we, it's uh, San Luis Obispo. They got their own distillery. I'm going to send you a bottle of bourbon. Or, wow. or would you want some tequila? Um. <laughs> oh my god, uh, bottle of bourbon. Okay, bottle of bourbon. Um, would you, yeah, we, we got all kinds of, we got all kinds of stuff here. We're sponsored here, bro. We, we are ready to go. Boys, uh, it's uh, address sent already. Oh, you really did you send it. <laughs> yeah, you can't believe it. Uh, totally lives in. Wow, I've never seen a zip code one three. I... Wow, I've never even hard. heard of that city. Owego? Owego? Owego. 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 All right. Another uh, fun Boy. podcast. This was good. Totally get back to the roof. Yeah. I love it, guys. Great. This was so much fun again today. <laughs> it was. Uh, hey, make sure you stuff, rate, guys. review, subscribe. Let us know. We'll be back next week. Uh, maybe we'll have downtown Marty Brown. We'll set up a guest. We'll something like that. And yeah, I'm- I know. Uh, there's all, there's there's actually a guy maybe um and because we're we're short on time with them being in spring training. Oh, that's right. Uh, Alec Manoa is supposed to get back to me uh, about the possibility of joining the show. He was a first rounder a couple years ago out of West Virginia. Had a great camp. I want to you know we can talk the journey with him, how Let's he go. came up, going to Miami, going to West That'd Virginia, all that good stuff. Having a good camp and then still getting sent down. Obviously, he knew that was coming, but you know there's still something about that. I feel like that. You know, you did good, and you're like, man, I wish I would have gotten a shot to, to crack the team. Obviously, manipulation with with uh, service, service time and all that crap. Perfect. You know, but it, 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 I think uh, I'm hoping he uh, that I, they're supposed to have the day off next week, sometime Tuesday. Tuesday I think he said so. Um, so we're hoping that maybe Mar- we get him on. If not, Marty Brown, uh, he would be awesome. So if, whatever. If not, Marty Brown's not going anywhere. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. If not, we'll get totally talking about. Being a farmer. We're good to go with that, too. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for another listening and watching and all that other good stuff. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Let's Go Ricky Roll with Tony.